So I'm starting early, and I'm, I'm actually going to try. You can pray for me. I'm going to try to preach for 30 minutes and stop. Uh, and uh, my wife says my sermons are too long. I notice that when I preach a long time, it's 45 minutes. And when I preach a short sermon, it's 40 minutes. And so I'm going to have to learn to discipline myself. And uh, <laughs> so we'll give it a go, okay? This is being the first Sunday in Advent. <clears throat> it means that I've been spending some time wondering what I was going to preach on the four Sundays. And I always like to come up with a series that prepares us for uh, Christmas on the one hand, and on the other hand is evangelistic enough for people that might come in that they would understand the foundations of our faith and why we believe in Jesus and put our faith and our hope and our trust in Him. And so uh, as I was going through that this year, um, I, I was struck by something, interestingly enough, it didn't have to be in the Gospel of Luke, but it is. And it's in Luke chapter 2. And it was the sentence that struck me that the angel first spoke to the shepherds. And I looked at that, and there are four aspects to that particular sentence. And I thought that would be an interesting approach to taking a look at our heart's preparation, not just for Christmas, but for the coming of Jesus as we're excited about and looking forward to the day when he does come and takes us all back home with him. Uh, that's going to be an exciting, glorious day. I, I read a little bit about it. I get excited about it. To be honest, I have no idea how that's going to work. It says, you know, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we'll all be caught up with him in the air. And how does that work from all around the world where there's 24 hours differences? <laughs> you know, and then we're all caught up to meet him in the air. We all see him coming in the clouds of glory. I mean, it, I, I can't imagine it in my mind having flown around the world and having visited so many countries around the world, I, I, I'm sitting there trying to figure out how from the north to the south and the east and the west do all these people around this globe all rise at the same time. And, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, that's going to be a mystery solved when that day comes. And I can just get thrilled on the inside that we're going to spend an eternity with Jesus. And no more sign, no more hunger, no more pain, um, no more scars. I, I just, I love the idea that, that eternity with Jesus in heaven is something to look forward to. And even though I have a hard time putting my mind around something that is going to be far more glorious, far more glorious than anything that you or I could even imagine. And so uh, let's take a look at Luke chapter 2 and take a beginning. Uh, we'll begin with verse 8 and read through verse 14. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 14. 
And in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for this reading from your word. It's just good. Well, I am interested and got caught up for the last couple of weeks just thinking about the first words that the angel said, the first two words. The angel shows up. Here are these shepherds out there, and they're watching over their flock. It's nighttime. The stars are twinkling out on the fields outside of Bethlehem. And suddenly, this angel appears. There's light all around. And the first thing the angel says is, fear not. And I thought, well, that's a strange thing for an angel to say. That's the first thing that the angel says. I got wondering, why would the angel say, don't be afraid, fear not? So I started looking through the scriptures to find out how often angels show up. It's quite often. Um, Do the angels always say fear not? No, they don't. So why is it so important here at the announcement of the birth of Jesus that the first thing out of his mouth is fear not? Why why doesn't he just say, hey guys, I'm an angel of the Lord, it's okay. (laughs) Why why doesn't he say, what's the matter with you, you know? (laughs) Why doesn't he just say, hey, I got great news? Why is, I mean, are they so terrified and why are they so terrified at the arrival of an angel? When I look through scripture and I see that there are several instances where they're not afraid. One of the funniest ones is when the angel shows up with Gideon. The angel shows up to Gideon and says, Hail thou man with favor with God, you are a mighty, valiant warrior. And the guy turns around, looks at the angel, and says, yeah, sure. You know, where is the God you're claiming is with me? Where is he now? I mean, we've heard all the stories and all that, but, but here we are being attacked by the Midianites, and I'm down here, you know, trying to Take, I mean, the whole situation is hilarious. I'm sitting there thinking, this guy is a coward. 
He's not up on the mountaintop where the wind blows to thrash his wheat so that the wind will take the chaff away and the seeds will fall down. He's down in the valley where there's no wind. Why? Because if he gets up there, the Midianites will see him and come and attack him. He's not in favor of going to war. And suddenly this angel comes to him and tells him he's a mighty man of valor. And he's going, yeah, sure, you know. Listen, I'm not interested. I, I, I think God has deserted us in everything. I mean, he's not afraid of the angel. Isn't that interesting? He sits there and discusses with this angel all the issues of why God has deserted them. He, he's complaining, not realizing he's actually talking with an angel. <laughs> you have Abraham and the angels show up and what does he do? He gets down on his face. He's not terrified. He's not afraid. He gets down on his face. He welcomes them in. He gets the best food, brings it out, serves them, sends them down to visit his nephew Lot. When Lot sees them, he asks them to come into his house. He wants to protect them. I mean, he, he's, he's not afraid. It, it, isn't it interesting? You know, when, when the angel shows up uh, uh, to Mary to announce that she's going to become, she's been chosen by God to be the one. She just sits there and goes, oh, that's interesting. How does that work? I don't understand. She's not afraid. Now, there are other instances, like when the angel shows up, <laughs> Gabriel, the messenger of God, one of the most powerful angels, shows up to uh, uh, Zechariah, uh, also in chapter 1, and he shows up and the guy is, is ministering before the Lord in the holy place and the angel shows up and is there and it says first he's troubled, wondering, oh dear, there's somebody else in here, understanding this is an angel and suddenly he's gripped with fear. He fell into fear, it says. He fell into fear. I'm sitting there going, this is an interesting one. This guy is afraid when the angel shows up. And the first words that angel says, Gabriel says to him, is fear not. <laughs> it's, everything's okay. You don't need to be afraid. Now, I'm looking at all these different encounters with angels. Why is this so important? Now, somebody once said or wrote uh, that the words fear not uh, appear 365 times in the Bible, and therefore you have one for every day to remind you not to be afraid. Well, unfortunately, that's not quite true. Um, in terms of the New American Standard here, uh, that I read in each one that you have. The numbers are different in terms of the translation. Um, but this one only has 127 that says something like, fear not, do not be afraid, do not fear. So of those three, there's only 127 times that it actually appears. Um, there are, if you start looking at all the words that could be translated like terrified, or um, upset, or something like that, you, you might come up with 300. It's, it's possible if you start trying. But the fact is this, how often does God have to say something before it's important? 
365 times? Just once. <laughs> You're absolutely right, Glenn. God only has to say something once for it to be important. And when Jesus says it several times in, throughout his ministry, like when he calls the disciples in Luke chapter 5, and, and, and he's been out on the boat, and he turns to them, they're saying, Peter had said, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. And what does Jesus say when they get off the boat? He said, don't be afraid, from now on, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Or, or later on, we saw this in Luke chapter 12, don't fear, little children, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So when Jesus comes and starts saying things like, don't fear, don't be afraid, I'm wondering if the issue of the announcement for the coming of Jesus, when the angel stands up and says, do not fear, he's not just speaking to the shepherds and to their present situation where they are in wonderment at what in the world is going on that God would suddenly appear to them in this way out on this night on the shepherd fields outside of Bethlehem. Now it's possible that, that they didn't know what was going on and that, and that they, were, they were trembling with fear. That's possible, I guess. I don't know how I would respond if suddenly an angel stood here in our midst, you know, and started to speak to us. Uh, it would, I might be at a loss for words. <laughs> I don't know how you would respond. But I do know that fear is something that is common to men and women throughout the world, regardless of their culture, their creed, their religion. It doesn't matter what is going on. Fear is something that is a slave driver and drives people, and it is something that enslaves people under its power. And fear is not something that is just a passing event where, well, like the other Wednesday, last week, not this last Wednesday, but the week before, after we had been here, um, we drove home and we're pulling out of, of our little uh, estate and you have to, pull, if you're going left, you have to pull into the center lane and uh, so Jan looked and didn't see anything and I looked, didn't see anything coming uh, in the center lane and there was a place so I could pull out and as I'm pulling into the center lane uh, and I'm almost in the center lane, this ladder fire truck comes by and whacks the front end of our car. I don't even think they felt it in that big old truck. And, and I pull up to a stop right in the middle of the, the center lane there, and Jan is sitting looking at things. She's gone white. She's, she, she's breathing hard. <laughs> she says to me, it only had to be two more inches, and that would have been me. <laughs> I can understand 
in that kind of an accident in that moment, in that event, there is something of fear that begins to grip you and you take a deep breath and go, oh my goodness. And we just sat there for a minute thanking God while this truck drove on. It was only 100, 100 uh, yards down the road to the, to the fire station. You know, he was pulling into the middle lane so he could turn left. And finally, I sort of woke up and drove behind him, pulled in behind him. And, and uh, we stopped and took a look and called the police. And, but I'm sitting there for that moment. Fear is something that can grip you. We live in a time where fear is really uh, prevalent. Think about it. Not just COVID-19 and what do we do to protect ourselves and how can you protect yourself against this kind of a vicious virus that keeps changing and mutating and, and uh, <clears throat> it's getting worse and more people every day. I mean, I could start going on and, and just create fear just talking about it. Couldn't I? We could sit there and we could start talking about politics and, and the fears that people have of what might or might not happen. We start talking about things with the future and we begin to wonder how are we going to manage this or that. You go back home and you're sitting there thinking how are we going to manage? What about our finances? What about the things that we need to procure, to, to buy, to overcome? How are we going to get to the store? How are we going to manage all of this? What's it like when we can't be around family and friends? And, and suddenly you start to realize that life has a lot of fears in it. We, we struggle with how do we wrestle with fears. And sometimes we just want to withdraw from everything into the things that we are comfortable and that we know and don't want to reach out beyond that because what I know it, it, that's where I feel secure and safe from my fears. And yet fears on the inside of us, they can come fear of death, fear of sickness, fear of, of, of problems, of relationships, the fears of how do we manage with, with what we've got. I, I'm sitting there thinking, you can really start to worry and spend your time worrying and complaining about the things you're afraid of. It could eat up all your time. I mean, it would, if I just kept on like this, we'd all go home depressed. <laughs> Wouldn't even want to stay for the meal. It was just, ah, that's terrible. And, and, and when we look at it, and yet, I'm wondering if the words of this angel that appeared to the shepherds to announce the coming of Jesus is more than just speaking to them because they were trembling at the sight of this immense glory in front of them. Maybe they were thinking, God's going to judge me. Maybe he knows all about the things that I've done that I shouldn't have been doing. And maybe he saw me arguing with my brother, and now he's come to judge me. I can see the fear that is 
potentially there in their lives. He saw the lies that I told. He saw the stuff that I stole. He saw the things that I did that were wrong. And and suddenly he's here. Oh my goodness. Maybe that's how they understood it at that moment before the angel spoke. But I'm thinking that God intended those words to be spoken not just to those shepherds, but to every generation after those shepherds throughout all the nations of the world, to all the peoples of the world. He wants them to hear there is a message you do not have to fear. Fear not. In the midst of all the things that you look at, that you see are filled, filling your life with fear, you have an antidote to the fear. There is an answer to the fear that plagues mankind. And Jesus has come with a message, and that message is you don't have to fear. You can be delivered from your fear. You can be set free from the slavery of fear. The message of a Savior to come into this world is to deliver us from all of our fears. I'm excited about the fact that the angel isn't just speaking to those shepherds. He's speaking to me. He's speaking to my relationships. He's speaking to my needs. He's speaking to the issues that that I face. He's speaking to my family. He's speaking to, to all of us and saying I have come to set you free. We're studying Romans chapter 8. There's an incredible, wonderful verse in Romans chapter 8. And in that verse, it says this, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by which we cry out, Abba, Father. And I'm listening to this song called, We're No Longer Slaves to Fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I am no longer under the control of fear because... God has come to deliver me from all my fears. One of the most exciting things that we can look at when we come with all the burdens that we carry is that Jesus comes to set us free from fear. I I wonder, how does that work? How does that work when I have developed a lifetime of habits that lead to fear? From being a kid that was afraid of being bullied or afraid of not having any friends or afraid of of what people thought about me or afraid. And suddenly those fears just kept growing and growing and growing and became a part of my life. How does Jesus set me free from that? And I'm convinced that it begins in a simple, a simple way where we first of all repent and say it's not right to fear 
when I know something about who you are. You see, God has come. He has come to not just deliver us from our fear. I don't know what you're afraid of. I don't know what you fear in your life or how it rules you. But I do know something. That when we enter into the hands of Jesus and we begin to look at all the promises that he has made for us in our lives, when I begin to see that he's not just made me his child and adopted me into his family and made me an heir of Jesus, a joint heir with him, of all the things that are present, I look at his promises that he will never leave me and never forsake me. I read in Isaiah that he's going to help me whenever I'm in trouble. I'm going to read throughout the scriptures the beauty of who God is when the Psalms cry out in their great need. They know that God is a very present help in a time of trouble. I look to the mountains from where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. When I begin to Realize that God is available to us, that he has made everything that he has, that he is, that he ever will be, has given to us as part of a covenant with us, then I begin to realize I don't need to be afraid if God is on my side. There is no reason, logical reason, that if God is for us, Paul asks the question, Who can be against us? What can separate, this is his question, what can separate me from the love of God? The conclusion is there's not a thing. There's not one single thing that can separate you from God's love. And God has demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is the demonstration of God's love. That is the amazing thing about the love of God. And then 1 John chapter 4 goes on to tell us that perfect love, this perfect love that God has, demolishes, delivers, casts out all the fears that plague your life. You see, when I am confident in the love that God has for me, that he calls me his child, not only that, but I know that because I'm his child, that when I see him, I will be transformed into his very likeness because I will see him as he really is, when I understand that that is the ultimate goal, then I cry out as well with Paul and say, Death, where is your sting? There is no fear in death. There is no fear in life. If I am enveloped in the love that God has for me. You see, the opposite of fear It's faith. And my faith says Jesus loves me. 
and I know it. Jesus loves me, has demonstrated, has proven it. And I believe in his love. I trust his love. I trust in him with all that's within me. There is no room for fear in that kind of love. If he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for you and me, how will he not also with him freely give us all things, including deliverance from fear? Including deliverance from fear. Deliverance from fear is included in all things. It's not the only thing, but it's included. And so I listened to this angel from afar in a distant country at a different time, a couple of thousand years ago, say something that touches me deep in my core. That angel says to me, fear not. You don't have to be afraid anymore. <laughs> Fear not, I am with you. Fear not, I will never leave you or forsake you. Fear not, I am the Lord your God. I love that. I love that. And in the midst of a COVID time, in the midst of the struggles that we go through, in the midst of the questions that we have about the future, in the midst of all the issues that, that may face us as a church, there's one thing I know, I don't need to be afraid that where he leads me, we can follow with confidence, knowing that our futures, the future that he has for this church here is in the hands of God. I don't need to be afraid. I can trust him. I don't need to be afraid for my country. I don't need to be afraid for my family. I don't need to be afraid, period. I do need to put all of that in my prayers, into the hands of a loving father, and say I need a bit of my inheritance right now in order for them to be enveloped in your love. Let your love heal. Let your love restore. Let your love permeate. Let your love gather in their hearts and minds. Let your love fill them to overflowing. Let your love be a portion of their lives as well. Let's fight enslavement to fear by submitting to the Lord, repenting and saying, Lord, I'm sorry. I didn't need to fear, and yet I did. I did it again, but would you not just cleanse me of that sin of submitting to fear? Would you please fill my life with the faith and the confidence not to submit to fear again? I want to overcome that fear that seems to rule my life. I don't want that anymore. And it's something you can do. It's something you can do by asking Jesus to forgive you and to 
fill you with his love, whether it's his love for a person, whether it's his love for you, whether it's his love for the situations that we find ourselves in, but we have the confidence that God is for us and not against us, that he is with us and has not abandoned us, that he loves us and does things for our good. I want to leave those thoughts with you today, and if there's any fear in your life, then this is a time for you to bring that to the Lord and put it in his hands and ask him to take it away. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, as we hear the angel from afar proclaiming in a loud voice, fear not, we hear it reverberating through the ages until it comes to us in our ears and into our hearts. And we say, Lord, there are things where fear has crept into my life and I want to submit that to you. I bring it to you right now. As we're praying and if something's come to your mind, just submit that to the Lord right now. Just say, Lord, this fear I put into your hands. I put this fear into your hands. I'm going to trust you so that I don't have to fear about it anymore. And I pray, Lord, that as we do that, knowing that you love us more than anything we can imagine, let us continue to walk with you in that love. And we pray, Lord, that it would, we would see the fears of our lives dissolve because we have replaced your love with that fear and your perfect love has driven it out. And we can proclaim with Paul that we are no longer slaves to fear because we are a child of the living God. In Jesus' name, amen.